0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, who brings us great comfort in the name of Jesus, amen. The internal and external struggles that affect the church, they're they're nothing new. Uh, That's what we've seen so far in the letters to the seven churches, that, that Ephesus, she had strayed from her first love. She had stood firm in testing and exposing all the false teachers, but their hearts no longer had a deep desire for the gospel. Smyrna was facing great suffering. She faced persecution and hatred from what was called the synagogue of Satan, but she held the promises of Christ close and saw them as her only true hope. We read about Pergamum last week, Say faced extreme social and political pressure to bend the knee to the pagan gods and even the cult of the emperor, but they remained steadfast. And now we see the church at Thyatira. And her problem was an all-too-common one. It was the persistent and continual struggle against false teachers. a Jezebel had arisen in Thyatira. She claimed a place in the church, but she was leading people astray. And we see this in her disregard from the scriptures. She, she had taken it upon herself to be a teacher and preacher in God's church, something a person really has no right to do in and of themselves. One must be called to do this work. But also, she shouldn't have been preaching in the first place. This Jezebel was a woman, and that was prohibited. First Corinthians 14 says that women should be silent in the churches. They are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission. If there's anything she desires to learn, let her ask her husband, for it is shameful for a woman to preach in the church. And much like the Jezebel of the Old Testament, we see that this woman in Thyatira had bypassed her head and had taken it upon herself to lead the church of God. And if this were not enough of an offense, the content of her preaching was egregiously sinful, as we'll see. And so the Lord speaks to his congregation. He speaks words of praise for the faithfulness, but he also has a harsh word of rebuke. And Jesus says, I know your works, your love and faith and servants, the patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first, but I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed. And those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart and I will give to each of you according to your works. First, we see that Jesus commends the church for the love they show. And this is true. They endure in faith patiently and serve the Lord with gladness. They they certainly had a sense of charity within their congregation, and this follows one of the congregation's founding members, Lydia. We meet her in Acts chapter 16 as St. Paul preaches the gospel in Thyatira. Lydia hears, she believes, she's baptized with all of her household, and immediately she takes Paul and all of her companions into her home. She was likely a, a wealthy woman, a dealer of purple dyes, and now all that she has, and all that she is, is devoted to service within a church. She provides Paul and his companions with shelter and food and rejoices to invite other the believers to come and stay with her. She opens her home to be the place of worship this hospitality and devotion certainly carry over into the next generations of the congregation as Jesus praises them for their love. And in, in Lydia, we, we see the anti-Jezebel. We, we see a faithful woman supporting the preaching of the word through hospitality, service, and love. Yet there is a problem. That false teacher whom Jesus calls Jezebel has infiltrated the congregation and has caused many to fall away. And that name Jezebel should sound very familiar. It was the wife of King Ahab. Ahab was the king of Israel in the 8th century B.C. And he enters into a marriage with the princess of a kingdom called Zidon. And there they worshipped Baal. And Jezebel was zealous. For the worship of her false god. She found the worship of the Lord to be repugnant. She didn't like it, but she also knew she wasn't going to be able to obliterate the worship of the Lord in one fell swoop and get people to start worshiping Baal, and so she took another tactic. She didn't abolish the worship of God, but she blended it together with the worship of Baal. Of course, the worship of Baal was particularly evil. To worship Baal, you had to also worship his mistress, Asherah, And the worship of these two involved all sorts of sordid and wicked things. Prostitution, child sacrifice, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. If you wanted your daughter to be a very fertile woman someday, you know what you did? You brought her to the temple or to the hill where Asherah was worshipped. And as you sold her into prostitution before all the people on that hill... You would hope that she would be fertile. And if a bad pregnancy came from that, no worries. Because we also worship Baal. And you know what we have in the worship of Baal? Well, we can sacrifice those unwanted babies and we can get rid of them. And then Baal will be generous and send rain and give fertility to all the earth. And as we think about this, we think these things are completely immoral, horrible, horrendous, incompatible with the faithful worship of the true God. As we see from our world today, they have an appeal. They give you permission to do what your sinful flesh already kind of wants to do. And from there, it's not a hard sell when the prophets of God begin to complain about the evils of this idolatry. What do you do? Well, you can suppress them because it's interrupting the fun and solidly all the newly enlightened people who really like the worship of the new gods well they support the suppression of those who are against them and so it was in ancient Israel where only 7,000 of all of her people had not kneeled down to worship Baal the majority had succumbed to the temptation that permitted them to give in to the most abased of their desires, and when the true believers objected, they were called out for their heresy. It had gotten so bad that Elijah had to flee for his life, and the few remaining prophets had to hide in caves. The effects of Jezebel's idolatry lasted for generations and likely resulted in the fall of both kingdoms, both Israel and Judah. Jesus warns the church in Thyatira that there's a Jezebel among them, one who speaks destructive lies. She claims that she loves the true God. She claims to be in support of the gospel and a desire to honor him. But on the same note, she inserts her own little false teaching. This had many in Thyatira, Thyatira to fall away. And embrace all sorts of sinful behaviors because the sinful behaviors and the acts of worship in the pagan world didn't really evolve much over the years baal gave way to zeus zeus gave way to jupiter asherah gave way to artemis or aphrodite and we see this all coming around full circle they thought that their sinful desires were only to be controlled by the sensual worship of their gods and so if you struggle with lust well it's because aphrodite had bewitched you and the only way to overcome that was to go and worship in aphrodite's temple that usually meant a visit to one of the temple prostitutes if you struggle with drunkenness, well that means bacchus was driving you mad and the only way to deal with that was to celebrate the bacchanalia and guess what that meant well you get really drunk And so this Jezebel was not teaching true repentance. that comes through faith in the gospel of Jesus where sins are forgiven. No, she was teaching that Christians must master their sins by giving in to them. It was not the gospel that frees man from sin, but the appeasement of the appetites of the flesh. It could be controlled. You put it in the right context and then you're okay. And those appetites were considered forces of nature that couldn't be controlled. You're born with them, and you needed to deal with them by accepting them and worshiping the gods who brought them into your life. And that might sound familiar. The same lies of Jezebel, they're repeated today. Perhaps you've heard them. Like, there's no way that you can expect people to be chased, so you might as well give them free birth control. Or it's not fair to expect addicts to seek sobriety, so we might as well give them clean needles. Well, we can't expect people to take responsibility for their carnal actions, we might as well provide free access to abortion. They are born this way. How dare you tell them to be anything else? This is the devil's way of getting us used to sin getting us to deal with sin by simply making them socially permissible, putting them in the context where we can all enjoy them. In Thyatira, you get the sense that the desire to be welcoming, loving, and hospitable had driven many people to accept this Jezebel. So Jesus warns what happens when the lies of Jezebel are tolerated in the church. He says, Behold I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of their works, and I will strike her children dead. That's echoing what we read in Exodus 20. It says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the Father to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You see, the tolerance and the acceptance of sin and the body of Christ has a product. It may not snare you, but it may snare your children. And so we may say, oh, what if this member of the church is doing something wrong? It doesn't affect me. Live and let live. Move on. But it does affect you. It does affect the witness of the church, especially to the next generation. It affects the children as they witness this behavior in the congregation. And even if they're told, hey, you're not supposed to do that, it's wrong, they see that there's acceptance of it in the body of Christ. And they in turn suffer as they fall into the sins that they see produced in front of them. And even if it doesn't kill your faith, it might destroy someone else's. And so Jesus calls Thyatira to repentance. His words are urgent. Jezebel was called to repentance and she refused. And so what does Jesus say? I'm going to throw her into a sickbed. Don't join her. Those who join her, well, they'll be thrown into tribulation. And I see hearts. I judge them. I will know. This is why Scripture is filled with warnings to avoid false teachers. As we we see St. Paul speak at the end of the book of Romans, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them, for such a person does not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Mark and avoid them. Paul urges Timothy, he says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge, the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, and with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but will have itching ears, and they will accumulate for themselves teachers who suit their own passions." And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of evangelism, fulfill your ministry. St. Peter says, But the false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false prophets among you who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? See, false teachers are going to encourage the fruits that are other than repentant faith. They are going to not tell you what your sin is. They're going to tell you to sin. They're going to tell you it's fine. They're going to tell you it's permissible. They're going to tell you it's good and that we should understand it and embrace it and enjoy it. And when they're challenged with the words, what will they do? They will obscure, they will accuse, and they will attack in the same way that Jezebel did in the days of Elijah. Jesus says this will be judged. But what are we as the Christians to do? Well, first, preach against her. Suffer her attacks if necessary, but never let her lies go unchallenged. Do not fall into the depths of her depravity. Remain faithful. That is what Jesus is saying when he says, But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold to this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Hold fast until I have come. Hold fast fast. That means to plant your feet. That means to endure discomfort. That means to be bold in the words that God has given us. And to this he offers a promise. He says, to the one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earth and pots are broken into pieces, even as I myself have received authority From my father and i will give him the morning star he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches so jesus here says that to those who do not participate in jezebel's lies those who speak against her those who do not follow after her depravity there's a blessing and the blessing comes from the fact that they aren't following her depravity but also that They are living in the promises of every Christian who endures in the Christian faith. And that promise is in the faith itself. Because we do not seek to be justified by the world, but we already stand justified by Jesus. We don't deal with our sin by making our sinful desire part of our religious identity. As so many are prone to do, rather we deal with our sins by believing that they're forgiven by Jesus, as Jesus has died to put our sins to death. That is our final and ultimate help and hope as the people of God. Not the lies of Jezebel, who simply affirms what our sinful flesh already wants, but the promises of Jesus, who puts that sinful flesh to death. We treat the lies as lies. We deny everything, but we treat the promises as the promises of God for sinners. And those promises are good. And they come with great promises, not the fleeting promises that the pleasures of the flesh give us, but the eternal, beautiful promises of Jesus, as we're promised a life that matches our faith. As true faith endures, so will we. And as the earthen vessels will be broken into pieces... The faithful Christian will be given authority to rule with rods of iron. The life of the Christian will not be broken. Jezebel's rule, Jezebel's words, they will break, they will shatter, they will crumble, they will fall. She will meet her judgment, and she will be shattered before the feet of Christ. But you, my dear Christians as you endure in the faith, as you live in repentance, as you endure to the end, will stand unashamed before the throne of Christ. Jezebel, even as she thinks she's queen, will not. We will stand with the same authority that Christ has over the church, and that is because we will stand in his image. Because our sins will be forgiven us, and we will rightly call ourselves the children of of God. Jesus here finally promises us the morning star. The morning star is the dawn of a new day. It is the darkness being overcome by light. That surely is a glorious goal to hold out before the eyes of all the Christians. Everyone that overcomes the many attacks of Satan, the world, and our evil, sinful flesh, and clings firmly to Christ's word and works by which Christ performs and perfects his sanctification in them shall become partakers of the triumph and the glory of Christ. It is the reality of Easter being bestowed on the faithful. And so we don't need to listen to the lies of Jezebel. Whenever a false teacher rises up, we do not need to hesitate. We simply need to denounce, disprove, and then mark and avoid them as someone who seeks to make a mockery of Jesus. Because Christ is honored in saving us. Christ is honored when we confess our sins to him. Christ is honored to be the one who forgives us. This is his glory. As Jesus speaks in the uh, gospels multiple times, he says, my glorification is being lifted up for you. My glory is my cross. And this is described for us in Psalm 2, as the the psalmist writes, he says, ask of me, And I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possessions. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry with you, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. But blessed are all of those who take refuge in him. And so we don't need the lies of Jezebel. We don't need this illegitimate, illegitimate queen to make sweet promises to us. We have taken refuge in Jesus. We call for all those who mock the truth to kiss the sun and find comfort in the mercy of Christ. We have the gift of the morning star. We have the new day that rises in Jesus. We have this because our sins are forgiven us. They are put to death. They are buried. And so our sin is left in the darkness, and we dwell in the immutable and eternal light of Jesus. And in this glory, we dwell as we live, continually in repentance, continually in faith continually in the forgiveness of sins and as the world would have us dwell in our sins and call it our glory we know that there's no glory in their darkness and we can continue to trust in the lord as they call our glory shame and their shame glory we know better you know the risen christ you know the glory of the resurrection you know jesus and to him is the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness, as you have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer, O men, how long shall my honor be turned to shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. And the Lord hears when I call to him. In the name of Jesus, amen.